Hi, this is Chip Lacoco. Welcome back to my podcast channel. We are in the month of January. For most people around the world, they've gotten through Christmas, New Year's past, and now they're settled into their routine until Easter. However, here in New Orleans, we're in the beginning of the Mardi Gras season, which will run all the way to Ash Wednesday. What a great time around the city of New Orleans. Um, and there's no, I thought there's no better way to celebrate the beginning of the season than to invite to my podcast, I would, the, the man who's considered as the, one of the greatest historians on Mardi Gras, and that is Mr. Arthur Hardy. Welcome, Arthur, to my podcast. Good morning, Chip. Let's talk about Mardi Gras. So before I get started, Arthur, let me, I want to make a statement and see if you agree with this statement. Mm-hmm. Something my father used to always say. Mm-hmm. You have not seen Mardi Gras until you went on Royal Street. Mm-hmm. And watch the floats come down the middle of the street. The flambeaux cast the elongated shadows on the building and the bands echoing against the, the sides of, the, of the, all the buildings down there. Would you agree with that statement? I would agree with it until 1973 when they ain't there no more. <laughs> exactly. They got pulled out of the French Quarter because of, yeah. of safety concerns. Exactly. Right? I, I used to march in my high school band, Warren Easton. Uh, in the 60s through the quarter, and it was magic. I mean, when you turned off a of Canal Street, even though you were tired, it was the last leg of the parade. Man, everything just lit up. You know, it was just just magic. Magic. And, of course, they still have some groups that will be able to they march do. in the smaller yeah. groups. Yeah, and uh, they can march because, as you said, they're smaller and they're preseason parades. By city ordinance, any parade that uh, wants to be a real Mardi Gras parade has to march within the 12 days before Fat Tuesday. And there's a whole set of regulations that preseason parades do not follow. And that's why alternative crews like Crew de Vue, which are just an absolute hoot, can get pretty bawdy, you know, and, and they can do that legally. And so before we get into a little bit of history of Mardi Gras, let me ask mm-hmm. this question, because I have a lot of listeners not from the New Orleans area. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, their, be- that's their problem, right? <laughs> Come on down. <laughs> they believe that Mardi Gras is one day. Yeah. Can you explain the season? Uh, I can, but let me just tell you a quick aside. Uh, Popeyes used to buy a double-page ad in our Mardi Gras guide, and they changed advertising agencies and uh, canceled their ad. I talked to the Philadelphia firm that was representing them, and I said, may I ask why? You've been with me for years. You know, we do 100,000 magazines throughout the whole season. And the woman said, we do not advertise in single-event programs. (laughs) Mardi Gras is a single day. And I said, no, it's not. She said, yes, it is. I see it on my calendar. And I could not convince her that it's not a day. Mardi Gras is French for Fat Tuesday. That is a day. But the season starts January 6th, the Feast of the Epiphany, when the carnival season begins. And it can last as few as 28 days or as late as 60, long as 63 days, depending upon when Mardi Gras falls. And um, so it can be confusing, but... It's a whole season. It's not a single day. And it's just not parades. I mean, no. you're going to have balls for some of the crews, yep. balls for some of the more debutantes. And, and Absolutely. You know. Yeah, there's a private side of Mardi Gras, more than 50 balls that, with groups that don't parade because they don't choose to. And then every parading crew also stages a ball. And uh, you're right, the, the society crews, the O-line crews are connected to the debutante season in New Orleans, and their queen and maids will be Debs. Uh, 
brings a whole lot of money into the city. But it's more than that. It's it's who we are, you know. It's who we are. You're right. So, Arthur, let's talk about the history and why why is it here? Why is mm-hmm. it in New Orleans? Well, we're blessed for one thing. I mean, other people, other cities have it, but not to the extent that we do. Uh, in 1699, Iberville was coming up the Mississippi River. This is, you know, before New Orleans was founded. It was March 3rd, and he knew back in France that was Mardi Gras. So the spot he landed on that night was called Point du Mardi Gras. And that's how it got here, at least in name, after New Orleans was founded in 1718. I mean, it was a frontier town. There was no parades or anything. But but mid-1700s, in private homes, celebrations were starting to be held. Then we get into the 1800s, and street masking was uh, prevalent, really. There were balls that had nothing to do with crews or with parades. In fact, some people think the first parades were maskers who were in costume walking to the ball, and it looked like a, a parade of maskers. <laughs> we didn't have our first parade until 1857, and that's when it started, the whole model for everything. And what was that first parade? Mystic Crew of Comus, and they started the whole thing, and um, now... This year, in a four-parish area, we have the most parades ever, 56, 56, which is just phenomenal. Membership has gone up so much. Uh, I did a little statistical survey. In, in 1983, Endymion was the largest crew, 1,000 members. This year, that wouldn't make the top 15. Iris, all-female crew, with 3,600 members. I mean, it's just incredible. It's been an explosion. And, you know, we like to talk about inclusion and diversity. There's not a more inclusive or diverse celebration on earth than Mardi Gras. There's something for everybody. If you can't find something to join, you're not trying. But at the very least, you can you can be a spectator if you're not a participant. Right. And, of course, you know, Chip, in New Orleans, nobody's a spectator at a Mardi Gras parade, not until the second fluke passes and everybody's in the street. It's a crowd participation event, right? right. You know, because, right. Of, because of the throws. That really what distinguishes our parades from Macy's and the Rose Parade, which are beautiful, but not nearly as much fun. Well, in, in you know the traditions, for example, you'll see floats. You know, you watch TV, you'll see other parades in other at the locales. The thing that I remember as a kid, and I still remember to this day, and that is the tractors. And, yeah. and I hope we never lose that because, oh. uh, as a float rider myself, yeah. the smell. Every time I get back in a float, I, yeah. I, I, I know. That's what you get. You get that smell. It's wonderful. Of course, at one time they were pulled by mules, but that. Um, and it's a different smell. Yeah, <laughs> yes, it is. And thankfully, that ain't there no more. And for our out of town uh, listeners here, we have an expression in New Orleans, and, and we do know how to speak correctly, believe me, but we say, ain't there no more. And it, it refers to a whole collection of, of uh, things that we grew up with that are gone. Uh, grocery stores, drug stores, mm-hmm. movie theaters. Uh, I published a book on lost movie theaters of New Orleans, and we almost called it Ain't There No More because they're all gone. Right. <laughs> Memories from our childhood. And, of course, there's some parades that ain't there no more, but we have more than enough. Thank you. And let's talk about, you don't, you don't really hear much about this either. There's music, right? Mm-hmm. Mardi Gras has its entire collection of songs. I mean, imagine any city. I, don't, I can't think of any other city that has a whole collection of songs you're, you're for right. one festival. Yeah, there's there's no doubt. I mean, you know, Dixieland jazz, and some could even argue blues, and maybe even rock and roll. If, if they didn't all start here, they, they sure grew up here. Right. And Mardi Gras has a whole collection of music. And having marched in bands and having been a high school band director, I know how important it is to have marching bands between the floats. And by ordinance, uh, you need one marching unit between each float. So uh, a parade of all floats is actually 
quick and boring. You know, you need something to break it up. Right. One of the frustrating things of, of being a band director or a musician in a parade is everybody wants you to play when you pass them. And, of course, you can't play for four hours or five miles. Uh, so the trick is, if you want to hear a band, go to where the crowds are. I mean, I would rather pe- play for 8,000 people than, than 12. So we, you try to pace yourself as a band director. And, but invariably, the minute you stop playing, somebody says, why don't you strike up the band? We don't want to see you marching. <laughs> you know? About float building. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are, each each organization will retain their own float builders. Correct. And these men and women mm-hmm. will build floats the entire year. Absolutely. They work on it from the day the parade ends. Right. To the next That's true, Jim. Mm-hmm. And they do phenomenal work. They do. It's it's artistry on wheels, you know, theater on wheels. And the, the big budget crews can afford to own their own floats, so their themes tend to be uh, more creative. Other organizations that don't have big budgets sometimes will rent floats from a pool of floats. So the themes will be, these are a few of my favorite things, and it could be an astronaut, a donut, a, a puppy dog, you know. But uh, big big crews that have big budgets uh, can do a better job with their floats. But it doesn't mean a small parade can't be creative and good, but but um, money can produce you know more elaborate objects. So I've for the past thirty over thirty years now I've ridden in the crew of Tote. One of my favorites. Just, just to let you know that you know when I first started riding, we used to ride in Hermes floats. Right. So yep. we would go to the den Saturday morning and clean that float. Yep. And then put our stuff. They on rode. Floor. They rode Friday night. That's right. Tote yeah. has now, of course, exploded as, as some of the other organizations have. Yep. And now we own our own floats. And your tractors and your dens, and you're not dependent on anybody, and that's smart. And that goes to the great leadership of the unnamed captain who uh, has always deflected publicity. I've tried to do stories in our article guide magazine about him, and he refuses. In the old tradition of the carnival, he remains anonymous. Um, but he's he's a real mover and shaker, and, and really brought that club back from, if not the brink of extinction, it was it was down to about 130 members, 2,200 members now. Yeah, and it's, um, it's our 75th anniversary this year. Yeah, it really is. And, and there's a... a, a official within the crew that's actually king this year, and that's kind of nice, too. I wanted to ask you about, you know, because Toth has that, that one of the longest routes um, in in New Orleans, Mardi Gras, um, through neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to talk about those parades. I kind of roll through neighborhoods, mm-hmm. what it means to to everyone when it comes. Yeah, well, we used to have a, a dozen or so neighborhood parades. Now everybody pretty much is on one standard route. With the exception of Toth, which is called the Crew of Shut-Ins, because since 1949 they have been purposely routing their parade past institutions where uh, there are disabled people, uh, near children's hospital, other institutions like that. So they're called the Crew of Shut-Ins, bringing Mardi Gras to people who otherwise couldn't experience it. And it's a wonderful, wonderful uh, tradition and one that we hope can continue. We all have our fingers crossed this year. I know it's you know it's going to be. Uh under the, under the wire, we can yep. find out if we're going to get our route because of yep. lack of police issues. And a bird sadly was shortened last year and looked like it would be this year. Now at the last minute, help may be on the way from other police departments from other areas. But Toth of all crews really needs its route back. And um, I want to mention some of the other crews. Um, what, what does it mean to you about Endymion and Bacchus mm-hmm. and Muses now, yeah. which is another female yeah. Just the the... the 
you know, these are super crews. Yeah. These are big, big events. Big budget events. Sometimes they have celebrities that ride the parades, uh, original themes, ton of expensive throws. Uh, and Demian has one float that's 300 feet long with 230 riders. That's more than some other crews have in the whole parade. So it's over the top. So is it excessive? Yeah, it is, but in a good way, you know. Um, the more is better works at Mardi Gras. And mention the two parades that ride on Mardi Gras Day itself. Mm-hmm. Right. Are Zulu, the oldest African American group, been around since 1909, and although it's a primarily, they do have a few white members, but it's, it's primarily African American. But they allow white riders, male and female, to participate. But what's neat is that they make them wear blackface. Now, Zulu took a, has been doing that, that since their existence. Uh, a couple of years ago, some people in New York came down and told Zulu they were basically stupid, that they were demeaning their own race and didn't know what they were doing. Zulu both basically told them to go to hell, that we're not stupid. We're not demeaning our own race. This is fun. This is tongue-in-cheek. It's satire. It's a spoof. And if a Caucasian wants to ride, he's welcome, but he's going to have to look like he's black. And what do they throw off that floor? Well, they don't throw them because that's against the law, but they hand out uh, decorated coconuts in keeping with the African motif. It's, it's the most collectible item you get. And then the parade that comes after them? A little crew called Rex celebrated the 150th anniversary last year. Rex is the king of carnival, produced the first parade in 1872, first day parade. Gave us the colors of Carnival, purple, green, and gold, and uh, still considered the king of Carnival. It's a beautiful procession. The floats are only used one time and torn down and rebuilt for the next year. Always has kind of a uh, esoteric theme, a very educational parade, and they throw a lot of good things too. And they invented the doubloon in 1960, which is a coin with the crew's insignia on it and the theme. And uh, they're not as popular as they once were, but they're still very neat collectibles. Have you ridden in a parade yourself? Until five years ago, I hadn't. Uh, and I took some criticism that how can you be an expert on something you've never done? And the reason I didn't ride, I, I, I work for a television station in New Orleans, and contractually, you know, I, I can't, couldn't be in one parade and cover three others that same night. I switched channels about five years ago, and I put in my contract I would not parade I would not work on Mardi Gras Day itself, and uh, the Rex organization invited me to ride, so I've been riding with them for five years. And it's what, did you, what did you think? Quite a thrill. Well, everything I thought and had written about was correct. You know, the vibes on the street, the, the, it almost sounded like a Chamber of Commerce speech, but the brotherhood that you see, people, doesn't matter, age, color, size, you know, position in life, everybody's a family at Mardi Gras, so it's a five-mile picnic. And it's what I thought it was. And, you know, when I do speeches around the country, people ask me, you know, why do you, why do you all do this? And, I, and it's a hard question to answer because as a business model, it makes no sense. You have to pay dues. Then you have to spend money on gifts. Then we dress you up in a mask and a costume so nobody knows who you are and we require you to give all the stuff away. Who does that? You know, we do. And I think the answer is we we enjoy having fun and spreading joy. Right. You know, you have a blast doing it and to see the happy faces, particularly children and old people. It's a joy to see their eyes light up when you give them a gift. 
And, and, you know, for those who don't, who've never been before, for example, in our float, we have grammar school friends, friends from college, friends from high school, yeah. you know, and you get together every year and you ride on the float together and you yeah. spend the whole, you know, all morning together, all afternoon. So it's a great day. It, it's know? just wonderful. I, I, uh, I've used this analogy in trying to explain it to out, out of towners that imagine if you went to New York and you went to Broadway and you reach in your pocket to buy a ticket to see a play, and the actors and actresses came up and said, no, 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 put your money away. This show is free, but don't leave, because we've got gifts for everybody in the crowd. <laughs> That's Mardi Gras. So how did you get into being the historian of Mardi Gras? By accident, really. Uh, my wife and I started our digest size magazine, No Ads, No Color, 1977. We both were high school teachers looking for a little way to make some extra income. And this wasn't it, not not initially. We printed 5,000 magazines, and we only sold 1,500, and we foolishly burned the rest of them, and now they're going for a couple hundred dollars on eBay. We stuck with it one more year being, I think, more stubborn than smart. 1978, 5,000 copies sold every one of them. Wow. So I'm convinced wow. I'm a genius, right? Next year is 1979, police strike cancels Mardi Gras, so I'm down in the toilet again. <laughs> so it was not an overnight success, but we stuck with it, and eventually uh, I got involved in television and in radio, and now I write for the, the daily newspaper, too, so um, I'm, I'm all over the place, and I enjoy it, because come Ash Wednesday, nobody wants me, so i got to get it while I can, right? Well, and, and your Mardi Gras guide, um, we'll talk about, you know, it gives the theme for each parade. Uh, what the, some of the coveted throws are going yeah. to be for the parade, who the monarchs are the and, parade. And a map of each parade. And a map of each yeah. parade, which I'm hoping this year, mm -hmm. the maps that you have in your guide are wrong. Are wrong. It's the first time I've ever prayed that I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, we, we hope that there'll be some changes. But actually, the parade section is just about a third of the magazine. We do a lot of features on movers and shakers and did you knows from the past and what's new and just fun things. I mean, been doing it 47 years, uh, hoping to make it to our 50th anniversary in a few years, and Lord willing, uh, we will. And where can, where can somebody, I know they're all over the city, where's yeah. the Well, the easiest thing to do is order it online. We ship out the same day we get the order. It's MardiGrasGuide.com. There's a store there. But any store that, that sells magazines, I mean, from, from Walgreens to Winn-Dixie to Rouse's, you know, uh, any kind of convenience store, uh, we do quite well uh, at the Mardi Gras supply houses where people are going to pick up their throws, right. like Beads by the Dozen, Plush Appeal, Jefferson Variety, TJ's, um, and they grab Mardi's magazine on the way out. So it's been a good business. We've been very blessed. So, Arthur, as you know, I'm an Italian historical fiction writer, so I'd be mm -hmm. remiss mm -hmm. if I didn't at least get mm -hmm. you to talk briefly about the impact of the Italian-Sicilian culture mm -hmm. here in New Orleans on Mardi Gras. Well, it's significant, but at one time, uh, Mardi Gras was pretty much run by by uh, non-Italian white men, uh, you know, Christian, uh, Protestant, Catholic men, um, as as most of society was. That's where the wealth was. That's where the power was. And uh, a lot of Italians and blacks and Jews were not invited to the carnival balls. So some Italians got together and said, okay, we'll we'll." Pull our own crew and have our own ball. And the most famous one was the Virgilians, which was around from, I think, late 30s to the 50s, maybe 60s. I don't have my file in front of me, but they had the most spectacular productions ever. So much so that these leaders of these other organizations who excluded them 
were begging for tickets to see these. <laughs> talk about turnaround's fair play. Right. Right. And uh, I've seen some films of some of these balls. I mean, they were like Cecil B. DeMille Productions. And uh, there's also a parade called Caesar that was formed by Bob Parnisi and, and Metterney. They stopped parading a couple of years ago. Same thing. His future wife was a, a dancer who was Italian in, in, uh, at, at one of the balls. And he went to the municipal auditorium to see his future wife. And he wasn't admitted. They asked his name is Carnisi. And he said, well, okay. He said, I'll show you. And he produced, developed the biggest parade in Metairie and opened to everybody. So, and now Mardi Gras is completely non-discriminatory. I mean, there is something for everybody. But, no, and, of course, there have been a lot of Italian designers, um, uh, costume makers, uh, float builds. I mean, it's 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 everywhere. And, and you know the float builders would go to Venice and, and yep. kind of look at the... Get their style from there. Exactly, yeah, and and via and and it's just, just uh, it's an international celebration, and we we steal from the best. You know why not, right? <laughs> why not? So here's the big question. Okay. Everyone has their favorite, right? Everybody has their favorite king cake. Mm-hmm. Everybody has their favorite marching band in a parade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is your favorite parade? If I told you, I'd have to shoot me. <laughs> I'd get everybody else mad at me. There, you know, it's not true that I've never seen a parade I didn't like. But all the parades have something to offer. You know, big, large, or not, but I mean, large or small doesn't doesn't matter. Uh, there's something to like in all of them. So you won't say your favorite parade. No. Although he's sitting across from me in a Toth T-shirt. No, no, I'm not, but I tell you what, that is one of my favorite parades. <laughs> one of the biggest and best day parades, and I love their mission. Uh, there's something something for everybody here, you know. If there you is. can't find something to like, check your pulse. You know, you're not alive. Well, if you can, pick up the Mardi Gras guide. Um, it, it, it will set you forth for the, for the entire season. Uh, Arthur, thanks so much for coming Thank and you, explaining too. to our listeners all about Mardi Gras. And uh, happy Mardi Gras. Happy Mardi Gras, pal. Ciao. Sure.